Hello, mates. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 in Irvine. Welcome to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Claudia Shambaugh, your host on Ask a Leader. We'll be back in just a jiff. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. Last week, a jury trial in Orange County delivered a guilty verdict to 10 UCI Muslim Student Union members for disrupting a speech by UCI-invited guest Michael Oren, the Israeli ambassador to the United States. I've invited some special contributors who have a great deal to say about these developments in three very short and separate segments this morning. Wrapping up the program, we'll hear from Chef Richie Robertson, who's cooking up some special projects at our Anteater Recreation Center. We'll be right back after a brief one. My first guest is on Escalita is Ms. Amina Mirza Ghazi, the Deputy Executive Director and Staff Attorney for the Council on American Islamic Relations for Greater Los Angeles Area Chapter. Its short uh, version is CARE, C-A-I-R. It's the largest American Muslim civil rights and advocacy group. She works on behalf of the American Muslim community in the areas of religious discrimination, First Amendment, equal protection, and procedural due process. Welcome to the show, Mina Kazi. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here with us. We have you just for a little while because I know we have yet another attorney who was on the the team directly representing the um, the uh, Irvine 11. But I I did really want to have give you an opportunity to talk about the sort of the broader community aspect of your relationship with this group. What? Ms. Kazi, was your role in this particular case? You know, from the beginning, we've been standing with these 11 students and standing with various uh, sectors of the broader community of supporters who really stand up and, and for free speech and to protect free speech rights for these students, but for all people who have um, politically political minority views or other views that seem to want to be um, quashed by the university administration or the district attorney's office. Indeed. And so um, we're concerned when we're watching this this collision course, it just keeps sort of, I think, accelerating. It's um, uh, ratcheting upward, I think, in what's uh, playing out on the campus. I I think if I think back when uh, the mortar boards start uh, had an Arabic expression on them for graduation uh, exercise. Some people thought they understood what that Arabic meant. Others people had no idea what it meant. Others people, others knew exactly what the nuanced expression was and found it to be not so incendiary as those who didn't understand the nuanced expression. Now we've got a misdemeanor conviction on 10 people's records. I want to find out if 
if you could help us uh, wrap our minds around there are are there not proxies waging this um, ethnic divide beyond the campus to some extent? Absolutely. What's playing out here is essentially political pressure from outside groups um, trying to wage their battle of what they deem to be best for in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But unfortunately, these students have had to suffer it for the last couple of years. Yes, these students are very vocal about their views, but at the same time, you know, that's their right to engage in these views on their university campus and elsewhere. Um, they've been reporting over the last several years selective and sometimes discriminatory treatment by the university administration because of their views. Um, one example you just gave of how they wanted to wear um, their stoles with the Islamic Testament of Faith um, during graduation, and that became a huge issue. Um, as far as the community relations on campus, the only thing we've heard from the students is that everything's okay. All the student groups understand that this is a campus where people get to express their views, and the groups relatively get along. And the Muslim Student Association, Muslim Student Union, <coughs> excuse me, has been involved in, in many, many other activities, you know, um, feeding the homeless, um, um, getting groups together for dialogue, and many other things. They're a good, solid student group, and these Young men are really examples for our, all of our use of, of, of contributing citizens in this community, and it's unfortunate that they have had to undergo these criminal process, um, processes because of pressure from outside groups. Well, uh, we're talking here with Amina Kazi. She's the Deputy Direct, Executive Director and the Staff Attorney for the Council on American-Islamic Relations, also known as CARE. I guess we've, while we... Um, explore this just a little bit longer with you because I know that um, we have a few other guests and you have a busy schedule here um, in court uh, today. Um, where do you see us going from this point? What do you realistically expect? What would you imagine if you had all the power to reshape the trajectory that we've been on? You know, it's it's difficult to say, but um, the message I want to give is a message of hope. I, I don't want this to have the chilling effect on students' free speech or free speech around the country that some in power seem to want to have. I think students are going to continue to speak up and speak out when it matters <clears throat> about issues of concern to them. Um, we're not going to let this have the deterring effect that um, some, seek, some seek for it to have. Um, I think, you know, community relations on the campus have been great. I think that this case has really galvanized people to wake up and understand how much is at risk in Orange County and elsewhere, and that we really need to stand up and, and protect what is important to us. That is our right to free speech and to political dissent. And I do think that it will have that effect, and it already has had that effect. Well, I, uh, do you see that... Um is this some kind of a petri dish for uh, a much broader proxy battle uh, to uh, deal with a, ver an, a specific group of people in our population? I think absolutely that, unfortunately, these students and the, the district attorney, Tony Rakakis, has sought to make these students into an example um, based on probably pressure from outside groups, political pressure to get some votes, that that certain views are not welcome, especially if they're expressed in certain ways. And again, that's, that's a matter of free speech, and that can't be chilled. And I, and I, I do feel that they're trying to send a broader message to, to groups 
um, and supporters of the Palestinian conflict and to Muslims across the country that your views aren't welcome. Um, however, I, I do believe and I will reiterate that many of us supporters from across the spectrum, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, um, you know, non-affiliated groups, pe- um, people of conscience are not going to let that happen, not on our watch. Well, I thank you for being on the program this morning, and um, I want to um, uh, keep it open. If you have uh, more time on your calendar at a later date, you could talk about some of the other projects I would like ideally to bring in um, the Olive Tree Initiative. They were they're just fresh back from three weeks, I believe, in um, in uh, Israel Palestine, and they they have so much to say. And there are uh, student unions. I'd like them get all of them have a chance to use this forum. So, Miss Kazi, if you have more time at a later date, I sure hope that you'll come back and join us on Ask a Leader. I absolutely will. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on the show, and uh, we'll stay tuned here, folks. We're going to next uh, have a chance to talk with the CEO and president of the Jewish Federation and Family Services here in Irvine, Shalom Elkot, and uh, we'll catch up with him after a brief break. Indeed, did I forget to tell everybody that the views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KUCI, its management, or the University of California Board of Regents. We're back on Ask a Leader this segment. Uh, close to you, uh, we, or no, he's not close. He's calling this one in from New York, I believe, or Ohio. I'm getting mixed up here on uh, the area codes. My next guest is Shalom Alcott. He is the president and CEO of the Jewish Federation Family Services, and this includes um, the uh, Federation is a bridge connecting the Jewish community with the evolving needs of its members. The Rose Project, uh, with a part of the FJJS, is um, a, it's a focus on improving Jewish student life on the Orange College campuses, supporting the development of well-informed and self-sufficient Jewish leaders, and engaging the broader community uh, in uh, Orange County's Jewish community and important issues. I want to welcome you. Shalom. Shalom to you, Mr. Elcott. Thank you, Claudia. Good morning. Thanks for having us on this morning. I'm glad that you were here. Uh, not anybody in this show, folks, was here on uh, uh, any lengthy notice, but that's because we try to be as topical as we can, and uh, as much as we can overlap that with community development, that's the sweet spot for Ask a Leader. So uh, there's a lot everybody's saying. They're all taking different perspectives, Mr. Elcott, with respect to the Irvine 10 and the Irvine 11. It's, there's, there's different constructs, and we'll, we'll take that up here eventually. Um, in your statement with various media outlets, I want you to unpackage uh, a charge that you did make with respect to this conviction um, uh, or to the, let's say, the original act of the disruption with Ambassador Orrin's um, 
you know, forum. Um, the charge that this was that they were engaged in was hate speech. Do you do you genuinely want to characterize it as such? Well, um, first of all, we need to remember that um, the Muslim Student Union created a planned and systematic use of disruptions at that event. Um, in that room was a large number of students from across the community and a number of community leaders. There were Holocaust survivors uh, in that room. And if you look at the film carefully and you look at what was said in that room, it follows a pattern of incitement on campus that has gone on for, for many years. Um, and some of it, to be quite honest, has been clearly anti-Semitic, completely anti-Zionist and anti-Israel. Um, the accusations that in some way the students' rights uh, to speak freely uh, were not allowed is completely erroneous. The Muslim Student Union and the Muslim students knew that we had carefully planned this event so that they could participate so that they could ask questions, so that they could express themselves just like anyone else in the audience. We seated them with the dignitaries in the audience. We wanted to be sure that there was going to be an open and free intellectual dialogue on issues that are very, very important uh, to all of us, to the Muslim community, to the Jewish community, and to all Americans. And I'm, I'm just curious, I wasn't there at that forum. I've been to many of them uh, that were uh, tangentially in, involved. I was there when the, um, the Troubled Talks were um, sponsored here, some of the, the Ford Foundation uh, investment. The difficult dialogues, The difficult yeah. dialogues. Daniel Pearl's father was there, and the Pakistani, I'm believing it was the Pakistani ambassador was here. Uh, and so I can remember those forums, but what I, I, I'm unfortunately not privy to what actually happened. And was... Ambassador Oren taking up the matter of the development unfolding in Gaza at that particular forum? Not at all. The, the ambassador was there to talk about the ongoing peace efforts by the State of Israel to bring some sense of peace to the region. Uh, there were students that had participated in the Olive Tree Initiative who had visited the region in depth. Um, so we were hoping for a really good intellectual civil dialogue. But as the court documents showed, uh, the students, in a very premeditated way, over a long period of time, as evidence... Are you there? Did, oh, you're, cutting out, you're cutting out a bit. Uh, I hope you're... Are you right with your phone and the, the line's tight? I am. Okay. I am, and I'm not moving. Sorry okay. about that. Uh, you know, this was an organized attempt, not only to disrupt the event, but before, during, and after, the students lied repeatedly to university officials, to the police department, to the, um, the police, the, the university police. Um, this wasn't an innocent effort of students to try to have difficult dialogue. This was an effort to shut down the event completely and, uh, and then lie about it repeatedly afterwards. So um, that's why the court case happened. Uh, we, we were um, supportive of the university and the actions that they took. Um, we never did anybody in our office or the Jewish community that I know of um, 
be in contact with the DA's office or speak to the DA or seek this prosecution. That came as a result of the actions of the students, not the community. Well, that's that. Of course, that's on everybody's lips. The question about you know, where what sort of uh, behind the scenes dynamic uh, was interface was going on with the the district attorney's office, and it's a, uh, and it and we all know we all know from going around the blocks as many times as we have that there always is some kind of a discussion with various parties that we can't all know unless we are there. So, um, but I understand from you uh, that it's you're uh, genuinely uh, representing. Uh, your role in, uh, and were you talking with Chancellor Drake about a resolution of the uh, disruption at the Oren Forum? Uh, you know, Chancellor Drake um, was in the room uh, when this took place. Uh, Chancellor and the university were completely aware before the event that this was going to happen. That's why the police were prepared in the way that they were. We decided to proceed with the event in the hopes that Ambassador Oren could convince uh, the students that he really was there to have a dialogue and that we had allowed ample time for dialogue to take place. So um, we've been in constant discussions with the university. The Rose Project has invested a significant amount of money to help promote civil dialogue on campus. We have tried repeatedly to have open microphone events with the Muslim Student Union and Jewish students on campus. How has that gone? Uh, um, not well. Um, generally speaking, the MSU and their supporters um, have a one-control microphone policy. Therefore, we don't get a chance to really have those open dialogues. The most serious dialogues, as you mentioned, took place uh, during the Difficult Dialogues project, which we also supported at the university. Um, but really, you know, the whole role of the Rose Project is to try to uh, build to build an effort to have a conversation, to bring students together in a learned environment, respected um, environment of the university. That was really what we've been trying to do. We educate our students to have dialogue. We want them to be able to have discussions. We want them to be educated enough on the situation in the Middle East that they understand the geography and the roles of both the Arab population, the Jewish populations, etc. We spend a lot of time to be sure that our students are knowledgeable and open to debate. And uh, we're going to do everything possible going forward to um, be sure that that happens, to ensure that that happens. Let's understand that um, the Muslim community, many are concerned about growing fear and resentment. We understand that. The Jewish community, Jews around the world, uh, have been similarly challenged throughout our history. Um, but this trial didn't focus on these students because of their ethnicity and religious beliefs. It focused on the First Amendment and what they did. And, you know, we would hope that it's time for all of us to move on to seek a different and more peaceful dialogue on campus and in our community. And the Jewish Federation is going to do everything we can to work with students on campus and the broader community to that end. Well, I want to ask about the Rose Project. As um, it, I don't want to... Um, act like I've uh, invented the wheel for the first time. It's probably been turned over many times, but has the Rose Project thought out of the box a bit with uh, 
really reaching out to the the Muslim student union or uh, general Muslim population to uh, fine tune those leadership skills that you're talking about and sort I mean do the you know do the unthinkable sort of the Nixon in China kind of step. You know, I'd like to, to give you an example of something that the Rose Project is doing. We have a, Please. a staff person on campus uh, now that we brought to campus to work with students who speaks Arabic fluently. Um, he's going to teach a class this coming semester on Islam 101. He's going to teach Arabic to Jewish students on campus. He, uh, last week, approached the MSU and invited them to participate directly, to participate in the classes, maybe participate in teaching in the classes. We're doing this as a move to create a better understanding of the issues which are very complex. The situation in the, in the Middle East should worry all of us, not just Jews and Israelis, but Muslims and Americans. There are very serious things happening in the Middle East. We hope that it'll be an Arab Spring. We hope that peace comes to the region, um, and uh, the Rose Project supports those kinds of initiatives. We how was the speakers. reception? I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, we'll see how the reception is to this latest round of, of, of attempts to bring some dialogue to campus. We're doing it in earnest. We're serious about it. Uh, we've said to the university and to leaders in the Muslim community that we're willing to sit down. Let's create a community dialogue on, on the issues going forward. But I think we'd like to put this behind us. We'd like to uh, work with students as they come through the UC system and have them participate effectively in a knowledge-based program based on facts and based on, on doing good things. Um, our students on campus through our Hillel organization have sponsored um, parties. They've sponsored all sorts of social gatherings, barbecues. Uh, they've invited members of the Muslim Student Union to participate. Some members of the Muslim Student Union have come forward. There is dialogue going on at the student level, I think, better than ever before at this moment, despite what happened with the trial. Um, they are engaging more. We are encouraging our students to have those kinds of engagements, and we'll continue to do so. Maybe, um, just curious about maybe the uh, the Arab speaker could also be a Muslim uh, ethnic person. That, uh, yes, is, and th yes. That he invited, he went to the MSU leaders <clears throat> and invited them to participate in the course okay. and to possibly teach part okay. of the course with him. Okay. So we'll so say to, we'll we would say, love that. We'd love to see a joint exercise of some type that that would achieve that. And the Rose Project and Jewish Federation would be completely supportive of such a such an effort. Well, I'd surely like to offer any one of you involved with that a forum for posting us on how that's working out, what's worked well, and a prescription for. Uh, you know, making inroads. I know when you say we put it behind us, I'm sure the p the people with a misdemeanor uh, conviction on the records don't feel like it's put behind them. I think they see trouble ahead. And so it's probably depends on who you are that the subject's b p been put behind um, with the conviction uh, that came out last in, week. In order to put something behind us, we have to learn from it. And I believe strongly that had the Muslim Student Union, its students, the parents, their attorneys, Someone in that chain, after this happened, had they come out and said, look, 
maybe we didn't handle this the right way, we want to move forward, maybe the DA wouldn't have proceeded. And we tried to have that conversation. We were ready to have a dialogue long before this went to trial, long before there was even an attempt to take it to trial. But never has any of these students done what you need to do, particularly in a university environment, and that is to learn from our mistakes. So uh, what I'm going to ask each individual guest today on in this part of the show dealing with the uh, Irvine 11 is to, um, you've plotted what you're planning in the immediate uh, uh, situation, trajectory here. What do you envision is the real situation? What do you hope for, Mr. Elcott? I think that um, we would hope for an opportunity to change the paradigm on campus. We're committed to growing the Jewish experience in Orange County. We serve the broader community at large through our social services and our outreach programs. Uh, we'd like to see the community move on. We've all learned that in terms of clarity around the First Amendment, it's difficult. The DA did his job as he saw fit. And we'd like to move on and try to build bridges to better tolerance and understanding. Well, I thank you for being uh, available to us on such short notice. And uh, this was Sh uh, Shalom Elkot, the CEO and president of the Jewish Federation of Family Services based here right in Irvine, not not far at all from the UCI campus. And I thank right. you. I wish you well. I do hope that you'll post us on what has evolved with this step taking. This Is it this fall, this fall, winter, this fall, winter, spring? How? What Start term? This fall. This fall. Starting okay. now. Okay. Well, then I, I do look forward to... Um, the uh, an update on that some with some representative you or someone else and uh, thanks to Ben for helping get this uh, put together too this morning with you and uh, I wish you all the best you need it we need it take care thank you Claudia thank you. very much we thank, appreciate it thank you well we are going to be back in just a brief break um, after uh, we uh, get in touch with Dan Daniel Mayfield who is a a member of the eight legal uh, team a member defending the uh, Irvine 11. So stay tuned while we uh, give, give him a call up. for staying with us here on KUCI. We are back now with uh, our third and final guest dealing with the, the Irvine 11. My guest 
Here is now Daniel Mayfield. He is a graduate of UCI. He started UCI in 1967, and in his own words, folks, not mine, he finally graduated with a major in history in 1974. Dan Mayfield's been a criminal defense lawyer in California since 1979, and his current practice is with the Carpenter Mayfield firm located in San Jose, California. Dan, one of the eight attorneys, as mentioned, uh, representing the, the Irvine 11 himself, volunteered to work on the case because of his personal history of similar protests on campus at UCI. Welcome to the show, Dan Mayfield. Well, good morning. Good morning. I know you've actually had a chance to listen to what some of my previous guests have talked about, so I would like, uh, you'll no doubt want to uh, directly address some of the points that you heard, but let's let's start out with, um, you've raised some very compelling arguments about how the First Amendment rights were intended by the framers, and you can elaborate on that with respect to the Irvine 11, would you? Well, yeah, let's, that's a good place to start. Um, that there's an awful lot of discussion about um, what people were calling competing free speech rights uh, uh, and competing First Amendment rights. Remember what the First Amendment says. It says, Congress shall make no law. And then you apply the First Amendment and uh, uh, to the states through the 14th Amendment. In other words, what the First Amendment does is it protects an individual against censorship by governmental entities, such as the university, such as the state of California, such as the district attorney of Orange County. Um, it's not about uh, competing uh, talking rights between uh, individuals. That's not what the First Amendment is about. Well, that's a very interesting point because I, I don't think I've heard that one used in the, the debate about what has transpired uh, since the disruption of the talk. So I, I, I think it's a very interesting thing, and I'm glad we get to air that today. Did you have more to elaborate about that, Dan? Well, there, there, I mean, there's clearly a lot of confusion about that. Uh, you hear people in my business all the time, I hear people come in to me and say, what about my free speech rights? And they're talking about, say, for instance... Um, on the job, uh, <laughs> working Oops. in uh, uh, the factory or something like that. And uh, you don't have First Amendment rights against your boss. You have First Amendment rights in relationship to the government. That's where you're protected, where the individual is protected by the Constitution. Okay. Um, can you uh, give us, uh, in short order, Clear up for us how the Irvine 11 became the Irvine 10. Speaking of free speech, I suppose. It's got um, something to that, do with speech. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's easy. Um, what happened in the course of the case is that the district attorney's office of Orange County um, issued uh, first subpoenas and then later um, search warrants, and they got a series of emails. Um, they got emails from before the event happened on February 8th, 2010, uh, until roughly a week after uh, February 8th, 2010. And uh, that you know how college students send emails. And by the way, a few. in case your, your listeners don't know, every email you have ever sent is saved somewhere. 
So they got every email that these students sent for this roughly 10-day period. The they is who exactly? I hate it when uh, we... I'm the district attorney. Okay, right on. The, the government that we're being protected against in terms of our oh, First Amendment rights. That's they. Including attorney-client privileged emails. They got approximately 20,000 attorney-client privileged emails. Um which, which are protected, they held on to, did not tell anybody that they were in possession of, which violates uh, any number of laws and uh, uh, state bar rules. And as a result, the judge in the Irvine 11 case threw the, the top three lawyers in the Orange County District Attorney's Office off the case. Uh, that uh, uh, threw them off, said they could have nothing to do with the case, threw off the top investigator in the Orange County District Attorney's Office, um, uh, said that he could absolutely have nothing to do with the case, could not even communicate to other members of the office. And because all of the evidence against one of the 11 defendants was based upon these emails which are, were illegally obtained, the DA's office was then forced to drop the charges against that one defendant, um, that uh, uh, Hakeem. And uh, so then uh, we went forward to trial with 10 rather than 11. I know, because somewhere at some places in the media that was said that that um, 11th individual, Mr. Hakeem, was... Uh, doing some sort of independent plea bargain, but it, it's not. It's a, a due process matter that to which he was entitled that drew him well, from well, that. Well, that, that's fair. It wasn't it, it, the um, the agreement was um, do some volunteer work uh, and and then we'll kind of look the other way and drop the charges. And which he was willing to do. He he does volunteer work all the time anyway. And uh, so he did 40 hours of volunteer work, and and, and uh, the case disappeared. Uh, but they they dropped the charges on him uh, because there was no no basis on independent evidence against him. Well, are you in a position um, to uh, talk as the other guests have about the the proxy being waged against? Um, Hitting the students against each other, the proxy being entities beyond. I think you have you have actually even a broader perspective of what might be the influences in play here with the district attorney taking up this charge uh, uh, that led to the conviction last Friday. Well, yeah, let's do let's do that. And, and I'm sorry I'm not on at the same time as Mr. Alcott because um, he he actually has an awful lot of things that that I'm sure are. Um, misinformation that is out there in the community and so I'm very very sorry that that we can't clear that up and he he is absolutely right that there is lots of room for dialogue here uh, and I hate to see this information passed along um, but apropos of your question uh, Mr. Alcott said um, that maybe uh, maybe the MSU should come forward and say, we didn't handle this the right way. Uh, and if they did that, maybe the DA would not proceed. And that's just, that's just wrong. 
to start with, uh, the MSU wrote a letter of apology to the university uh, that uh, is generally available. Uh, uh, was anyway. I don't know what's going on at the moment, but it was. I'm sorry, nor do I. In the community. Um, secondly, each of the individual students, all eleven of them, um, uh, engaged in both volunteer work and wrote essays that were provided uh, to the university as, as part of the internal disciplinary process. Now, those aren't available because they were part of the internal process. The district attorney of Orange County waited 363 days, in other words, two days before the statute of limitations runs, in order to bring charges in this case. So, well, that's not uh, insignificant. It was, it was not a matter of uh, people coming forward and saying, um, hey, maybe we made a mistake. What happened is the district attorney, in my opinion, committed perjury uh, by issuing uh, search warrants claiming they were investigating a felony. The district attorney uh, seated uh, and paneled a grand jury called people before the grand jury uh, in order to intimidate them. Um, there were close contacts between the university and the district attorney's office, uh, university hierarchy, uh, Chancellor Drake in particular. Um, and uh, that this was done almost certainly uh, as a, a plan uh, for uh, Mr. Rakakis to uh, use it as part of his election campaign and uh, other local right-wing politicians, uh, Chuck DeVore in particular, who intends to run for the Board of Supervisors in Orange County after losing statewide elections, um, to uh, to put in their, their anti-Islamic, their Islamophobia uh, campaign. And how do you... Uh, how do you link this to Chuck DeVore? That's a pretty privileged bit of information. No, Broadcast no, now. not at all. He, he has it on his website. He puts it up on his website. He, he has all kinds of information uh, uh, about, uh, uh, you know, uh, his, his own personal brand of Islamophobia. Okay, okay. Uh, I haven't seen them. I, I, I missed the last time I saw it was when he took his assault rifle view of his uh, reservist um, position. He took that off of his website, and I hadn't been following it since then, so... With, with his, yeah, when he was serving, and then he didn't want to be serving when it, if he was going to lose his legislative exemption, which he doesn't have anymore. But <laughs> that's question, that's yes. a separate question. So anyway, so he's been very vocal about um, his um, a, his adamant uh, opposition to um, or no adamant about expressing his Islamophobia on his website. Oh, no question. Okay, so so you're implicating a number of these people in some pretty interesting timing staging for what became an indictment against the Irvine 11. Well, that wasn't an indictment. Now, there, now there's an interesting point, too. I mean, you get an indictment from a grand jury. Okay. The, they impaneled a grand jury. They took evidence at the grand jury. They used that in order to intimidate people, uh, but they proceeded by way of complaint rather than by indictment of the grand jury. Oh, Okay. We need to have Evan Simon on to help me with the, with those distinctions. He, the, the, the docket, um, and that's later on. He may be taking this up, too. I'll ask him about that. So, um, so 
we're talking about the forums here that are available. I don't know if you're finished uh, uh, talking about the uh, the lead up to the uh, eventual um, the complaint. Um, did you have anything more to add to that? Oh, well, yeah, there, I, I think there's one other important yes, thing, please especially do. in relationship to what Mr. Elcott said about the the, the issue of uh, if only the MSU had said um, we didn't handle this the right way. Um, the MSU approached the university, in particular Chancellor Drake. Now, I know this because I'm the one that wrote the letter um, twice. And we said to Chancellor Drake, um, Dear Chancellor, we would like to engage in what's called a civil compromise. Now, civil compromise is what's allowed in nonviolent misdemeanor cases, which is what this is. Um, and you can't do it in felonies. You can't do it in any case that involves violence. But nonviolent misdemeanor cases, the defendant is allowed to approach the victim, that would be the university, and say, we would like to engage in a civil compromise. And uh, the, uh, our offer was that we would like to do things on campus, um, you know, we made suggestions, but basically, you know, forums, dialogues, volunteer work, um, uh, that sort of thing. Nothing to sneeze uh, at. Real, real, some serious and, spiritual hard time. And, and in return, we would like the university to agree that this is a civil compromise. We would then take that to the judge and the judge has the final call on it. The judge can approve the civil compromise, or the judge can disapprove the civil compromise. So that it's um, the the university agreeing to the civil compromise is not the final stage. Uh, we we did and when this. was that? Uh, you were talking about the 363 uh, when, days. When was this? It, we did it twice. We did it in um march and again in late may along the timeline for that 363 days um uh, were just prior to the uh, days before the statute of limitations ran out how close to the statute of limitations running out did oh uh, no th this was after we were charged okay so after the oh, that's right oh, gotcha. ran on february 8th 2011 we were charged on february 5th 2011 okay uh uh, this would have been then in, in March of 2011 and and uh, um, uh, in late May of 2011. So you the, how the university refused to even engage in the discussion. Chancellor Drake refused to even engage in the discussion about a civil compromise. Now, was it, it is it an active step taken, or was it just that the letters weren't answered, or a bit of both? Uh, there was a response. Uh, uh, saying we're taking a hands-off attitude. Okay. Okay. So. Well. And, uh, but but in any case, in, in just in terms of were we willing to negotiate, uh, uh, the answer is absolutely. At every point, we attempted to work this out. Uh, no one likes to put their life on hold for three weeks and sit in a courtroom. I mean, I just think, could you do it? Uh, who who no, can I was leave almost... their job, their family, their lives for three weeks? 
Exactly. Well, for, for for that matter, including the lawyers, right? Um, and 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 sit in the courtroom, uh, you know, four days and five days a week, uh, from eight in the morning till four thirty in the afternoon. Plus, whatever preparation that takes takes away well, too. Uh, that's that's a different question. But it's a whole lot. You know. And, well, I want. Um, I've asked everybody this, and we'll need to wrap it up around this uh, last question, Dan Mayfield. That um, in your mind, what is the remedy for this expanding collision of ethnicity on the campus? How much of this? Uh, we've talked about proxies, and already in this particular interview with you. But where where do you think we're headed, and what do you think is realistically going to be happening? Well, I think that there is definitely, and in, in this sense, I, I agree with what we've, we've heard. There, there, there's room for uh, dialogue. Uh, dialogue does not mean bringing in uh, a speaker and uh, saying there will be no counter uh, speaker. That's not dialogue. Um, you know, uh, dialogue is not bringing in the chief architect of uh, the Gaza massacre and saying there's no room for discussion. And by the way, uh, Mr. Alcott is wrong on this as well. Uh, while there was an announcement of a question and answer period, if your questions were acceptable, uh, and if you think there's any question about that, go listen to the transcript, because I've listened to it, read and listened to that transcript 15 or 20 times, um, that that's not dialogue. Di- you know, dialogue is a panel discussion. Dialogue is, say, at least two conspe- competing speakers on separate nights right next to each other. And we know UCI got it right when John Yu was invited with a long string of distinguished lectures um, invited by then-Chancellor Cicerone. John Yu was originally going to speak by himself, but after the Viet Dinh lecture, uh, there was a provision for a panel to take John Yu's uh, memoranda on torture and go down the line with that. And it, that was quite, I mean, that was very interesting. And it was it was about balance and a, a counter discussion. So I think uh, it's sort of, UCI keeps sort of trying to reinvent what that kind of a balanced forum, a dial, you know, open dialogue is. And so I, you know, I laud the, the then Chancellor Cicerone for figuring out how to uh, permit that and uh, avail that opportunity. And we just seem to be with each kind of administration trying to figure out, well, what do we mean by an open dialogue? So um, I, that's, that's, and I, so I want to thank you also for <laughs> coming on the show at such short notice, Dan Mayfield, and uh, someone from UCI, like a favorite son kind of a, of a, a guy, an attorney, to, to speak today. And I'm sorry that Mr. Elcott also didn't get a chance to rebut the program. If I had lots of engineers with me, we could be doing throwing all kinds of switches to allow that but this this is the best we can do and i'm gonna i'm gonna call it a a, a day uh morning well done for um having everybody be available at such short notice dan mayfield thank you for being on the show today well thank you and i look forward to talking again oh i'm very glad that you will we're going to try to get some more of these we're going to post uh uh, shalom elcott's successes have the olive tree initiative people and some of the campus climate uh, uh people assessing what's going on with uci again thanks a lot for coming on the show best to you and your work okay great so now we're going to uh wrap up what we've been talking about with the irvine 11 and uh we're going to uh, have another short break with um while we queue up our final talk uh today with an entirely different topic 
What's brewing over at the Anteater Recreation Center? We'll be right back. everybody. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. We are now ready to launch a whole different flavor to this day, to this show. Uh, we are, my final guest is Richie Robinson, chef, purveyor of fine dining experiences with an emphasis on home-style Midwestern cooking since 1976. He is the chef instructor at the Anita Recreation Center, a batch w- what we'll be focusing on this program mostly. He also caters at the UCI Chancellor Club events on campus and is the food service director for Montessori Schools of Irvine. He's done stints with Stuart Anderson Corporation, the Ritz-Carlton, the Laguna Beach Brewing Company, and Morton Steakhouse. Welcome to the show, Richie Robinson. Hey, Claudio. I'm so glad you're on here today. We're going to put a different feeling on uh, the uh the the show it's a lot of hard work we put everybody through the difficult dialogues and difficult tough lenses to look through a, a, an intractable problem going on around the world and right here on the campus but now let's get down to this food issue tell us uh richie robinson about the courses you planned at the arc after launching them last year oh great we have uh, some really exciting programs um at the anteater recreation center we are doing uh, classes from Latin cuisine all the way to Asian noodle workshops. And mm. we have a great variety of uh, recreational classes for the students and at a very economical price. And we're just encouraging all the students just to come over to the ARC and um, just um, check out our schedule. And hopefully they'll find something there that they would like to uh, look into as far as any cuisine that they are interested in. So it went over well. They're asking you back here. Um, are there any particular, um, uh, you, you've got a schedule, and you want to know how people know how to sign up with you. They go to the, um, the recreation uh, center. The, um, the, we have an online registration, and they can go online to UCI Campus Recreations, and all the classes are listed there, Claudia. Um, everything we have is there, and there's also custom classes. They could also take um, if they're involved in any group organizations, they could um, definitely get in contact with me. Um, my website is chef, C-H-E-F-R-R-2000, at yahoo.com. And if they have any special interest, definitely um, email me and let me know, and I'll definitely get in touch with them. And you were also talking about, besides that, those kinds of design, you yourself are designing a particular uh, course around hosting that special date. Can you tell us about that? Well, I'm working on a program right now for uh, just students that, um, you know, I used to do a lot of uh, catering um, for um, the uh, rec center prior to doing the cooking classes, and a lot of the students always ask me about first date dinners. Oh, that's where that came from. Uh, yeah, and, you know, it was just an interest that came up, and they would tell me a little bit about um, the situation, uh, male or female. Um, I've been approached by both, and then I would uh, customize a real simple menu for them that they could just 
do for their first date. You know, they always want to have something memorable for that first occasion when they're in love or, you know, they're trying to find out something about um, a special person. And it was pretty funny that, you know, a lot of times they came back and told me that it was really simple what uh, they had done, and it just built their confidence up in that. And the dates usually went great because of the food was great. Oh, I can imagine. What now? I, what I need to know about is the second and the third meal. So, so they're, do they come back for more, or are they are they resting their laurels on that great start? Well, you know, that just gives their foot in the door. And then from that point on, cooking is all about creativity, Claudia. Yes. And I encourage them just always just go for what their special interest is in spices. Um, you know, some people have different backgrounds, and they remember things mom made. Mm-hmm. You can always take any recipe, Claudia, and you can own it. What I mean by that is you take something special to you that you like and place it in that recipe, and it becomes yours. That's the beauty of cooking. Wow. I can I can hear the soul coming through here with um, how, how you're conveying opportunity as it gently knocks on the the refrigerator door as it were, oh, the cupboard you, door you. so um are you you're going you have scheduled now for the fall courses and then is it laid out in the um is it expected there for all three quarters that you're going to have some kind of special um courses for the ARC students? Definitely. And our first course is actually starting October 4th, and that's going to be a Latin cuisine. And um, it's going to go all the way to um, actually December, or actually November 30th, which is going to be our last course, which is Asian Noodles Workshop. So we're going to have a variety of courses throughout this quarter, and then definitely my cooking class is going to be on November 21st. I'm going to, I'm going to be doing a quick Thanksgiving meal, and ah. I'm going to do a, a quick turkey. Uh, we might even do a couple pies and things like that just to get ready for the holidays. Oh, very good, very good. And, no, I, I wanted to see if we could project, though, and if somebody didn't quite get their ducks in a row for the fall quarter because it's, it's starting shortly, yes. um, then there are opportunities in the, both the winter and the spring? Definitely, and we have summer courses. All, they go all year round. Oh, year round, okay. Yes, they yeah. are. Okay, very good. And also for those that aren't necessarily affiliated with the Anteater Recreation Center, you do have your own sort of um, culinary uh, offerings uh, for as you, you mentioned, private uh, th- um, kinds of um, uh, catering. And uh, and have you had courses that have been taught around uh, like a party theme? So some somebody can bring their birthday party and that they can, uh, you teach them in a birthday party sort of instructional? Wow, Claudia, that's a great point. Um, actually, what I can do is, once again, um, chef, C-H-E-F-R-R-2000 at yahoo.com. Okay. They can get in touch with me, and I do specialty courses. I do creativity courses. I do any type of team-building courses. Um, anything you can imagine, I could put together. We just had a dinner party class uh, this past September 1st. It was great. We actually brought in uh, props, and we had a full formal setting. And uh, we just all got together, and we put together um, – a salmon with the hoisin glaze. We did a blue cheese crusted filet. We had uh, garlic uh, roasted mashed potatoes, um, and it was a group of 15 of us. And this Great. what makes it so unique. You're not sitting down watching the chef cook. You're actually participating. It's hands-on. Great. So always pre- 
be prepared to come in and just jump right into it. It surprised a lot of people, but we finished the five-course meal within two hours, and we had a great meal afterwards, and it was just a great conversation, and everybody just enjoyed themselves. Thank you so much, Richie Robinson, for putting that wonderful flavor in our mouth after the hard work I put everybody through today. <laughs> I, I wish you all the success with all the four quarters and uh, various sectors that you're involved, and uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Thank you, Richie Robinson, and we're going to... Um, Close out wishing uh, George Rosales a good hat wearing in the next program. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks, as I said, for joining me. And thanks especially to Ms. Marie today for her support and uh, kindly tutelage. We'll talk next week about the uh, centennial of women's suffrage celebrated in California and a very interesting uh, swap love peace love swap. And uh, I'll explain exactly what that means next Tuesday. Be right back. like lovers we were quite a team sugar